the Evolution Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, here with my co-host, Dave Sanders. Here we're going to jump back in and talk NFC this time. Uh, if you caught, didn't catch the previous pod, we did talk AFC. This one, we're going to kind of roll through the NFC. Same kind of same format, roll through some of the top storylines and give you our controversial top five. Uh, Dave, why don't you start us off? Yeah, let's shift to the NFC. Uh, leading off NFC East, the Eagles have been up and down so far. Um, definitely some highs and some lows through all this, through the injuries, especially at receiver Wentz is PFF's number one rated quarterback. Do you think that means anything so far? Um, have you been impressed with this play? What do you think so far about the Eagles? Uh, it's early. Um, and I think we've kind of said that all the way through the whole podcast. This is only, you know, quarter of the way into the season. Uh, Eagles are four games in sitting at two and two. There's been some really nice things, and then there's been some what the hell is actually going on type deals. Um, you know, started out pretty rusty, but, I mean, they beat the skins by five. Skins are not very good, as we've learned. I, like I said, you, is the rankings mean something? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think offense will be a huge issue for the Eagles this year. I think the biggest concern for the Eagles has to be that defense. Um, you can't run on them, but my God, can you throw and catch all day long? Yeah, I mean, they look, they made Case Keenum look like a stud and he got benched in like two weeks later. So that pretty much says all you need to know. Uh, I think a lot of these teams are flawed. Even we talked about, you know, the Chiefs having not a great defense. It seems like there's not one team that's got it all going on. Maybe it's the Patriots, but we saw their offense really look shaky last week too. I think the one thing we're seeing is, a you know, common theme that some formations are working better for some teams, 12 personnel for the Eagles and Browns. Like the stats are crazy efficient there, um, both in the run game and the pass game. So it'd be interesting to see if they stick with that. I know that was a big thing for the Browns last year when Freddie Kitchens took over. And it seems like they're going back to that, at least in the Ravens game, the Eagles having Goddard in the passing game and the run game has been huge. Um, so I still think they're a huge threat. I think Wentz is really good. The defense, as you said, really flawed. Um, they're going to get into some shootouts. They're going to lose some of those shootouts. They have to really get more pressure on the quarterback, and hopefully for them, Darby comes back and some of the secondary pieces itself together. Yeah, secondary pieces are concerning. Um, we've been dealing with a lot of foot injuries up front too, so I don't know if that's something going on in the NFL right now or what. There's just a lot of foot injuries, it seems. Um, like I said, the 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends for those that aren't aware, uh, it really helps the Eagles to have two good tight ends. So a lot of teams are moving to 11 personnel, so they're running three wideouts. Uh, you don't see a lot of 21 or 22 personnel because so nobody runs fullbacks. I think now some from a fantasy perspective, folks don't like Doug Peterson and his uh, running back by committee. But I think Miles Sanders has dramatically improved in the last couple of weeks. Jordan Howard is actually pretty good at football, folks. Uh, he gets dogged on a lot for you know his perceived not being that good, but he's actually really good. I like to see him used a bit more. Um, I'd prefer more more Sanders and Howard and less Sproles. Uh, but he really is kind of divvying it up three ways each time. So it's it, the running game's getting going. The offense will be good. Again, defense questionable. Depending on the price for Jalen Ramsey, it's worth a phone call. Yeah, I agree. For them, it makes sense. Even a first and a second or two first, I could see, you know, definitely making sense for a team that is a contender like the Eagles. Yeah. If we can get a lockdown corner, it does change a lot of things. Um, take some of the pressure off. At least can slow down one, you know, number one wide receivers. Can you figure – before Devontae Adams got hurt, he was like six for like 108 in the first quarter. That was um, wild. I was that, telling my wife that he could have 300 yards here if he keeps this up. Yeah, then he got turf toe, so it sucks to be him. Uh, sticking in the East, 
You know, we talked about it briefly because the Eagles actually beat them by five, but the Redskins. It's another Dan Snyder mishap. Jay Gruden looks a bit lost right now. You know, we went Case – it's Case Keenum. Yeah, Case, yeah. Case Keenum, yeah. I get him and Cousins confused all the time. So, Case Keenum <laughs> brought them in. Yeah, they're both not very good right now. I mean, we'll touch on the other one here shortly. But, you know, Keenum, okay, Eagles made him look half decent. He threw a couple balls to Scary Terry. Then we roll in his last game, and he's getting benched in the second quarter. So, we went from, yeah, Case Keenum's the man to, oh, it's Dwayne Haskins time. Yeah, I mean, when you invest that much in a quarterback, I just can't see why he didn't go into some week as the starter. Like, it was leaked before the game. Ian Rappaport said that if Keenum turns the ball over a couple of times, he's coming out. But to me, who cares about Keenum? I guess he was trying to punish Keenum or whatever, but he needs to give his, you know, rookie quarterback making his first real in-game action, the first team reps all week. To me, that doesn't make any sense. And then you have the Patriots coming up on the schedule this week. You knew they were coming. This isn't a surprise. And you probably don't want to start him against the Patriots there to get his head caved in. And now today, Jay Gruden says he has no idea what he's doing at quarterback. And it's like, well, we knew that, but you didn't tell everybody that. Um, what do you think about this whole situation? Does Keenum start again this week? And what does this do for Haskins long-term? I mean, Keenum has to start this week. You cannot start Dwayne Haskins as a rookie quarterback against New England. One, he's going to get killed because the offensive line of Washington's not very good. That offense is really not that good. It's been pretty much chuck and duck of Scary Terry, and that's been about all they've been doing. I mean, you play Haskins now, you're going to get a murder. It does nothing for his development. What they should have done, because I think they have a bye week right afterwards, if I remember right. Um, I'm not looking at the schedule, but I'm pretty sure they got a bye coming up right after that. Or they got an easier game. So what you should have done is roll Keenum and say, after the pass game, say, hey, we're going to go bye week. We're going to go Haskins, our quarterback, going forward. Give him time to prepare. Get him ready. You know, Haskins was making – started out okay against against the Giants, but then rolled into what he's what he's known for, holding the ball too long, staring down front receivers. Like, Bill Belichick's going to murder that kid. So, there's no way you could play him against New England. Yeah, just for a franchise that had the whole RG3 situation, and I don't even blame them entirely for that. But they're known for being a poorly run franchise. You've got this quarterback who you think is a franchise quarterback. You invest all this in him. And then not to put him in the position to succeed just seems – it's mind-blowing. Like, the only purpose of this season is to see if he's any good. Nothing else matters, really. They're not going to win any games. They're going to be 4-12. and 12. They're going to be picking fifth next year. Like, this is all about Haskins. Is he good? Is he not? And it's just – it's frustrating to see as just somebody who wants to see these young quarterbacks get an opportunity to play and play well. Yeah, but you got to know what you have and what you didn't have. So – it's not one of those uh, – yeah, they, they invested in Haskins and took him early, reasonably early. But this isn't – he's not Tua Tagovailoa or, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Fields. There's one of these guys coming out right now. You're like, oh, damn, this guy's a quarterback. Like, Haskins was okay. He yeah. did all right. But you, you can't put him in the middle of a game. He didn't get reps and then expect him to play New England. So, all you're doing is just making yourself look stupid because you put – you know, you paid money to Case Keenum. You brought him in, even if he's just doing a mentoring role. You, you know, you can tell Haskins, hey, come up by week, get yourself ready. That's all you got to say. Problem right. solved. Yeah, and they, if he was going to be good, this may not even affect him at all. Um, but it's just uh, wondering why you would not have a better plan. It's just kind of crazy for an NFL team. Yeah, um, and, and that's why Washington's going to be 4-12 and again, pick fifth, and they'll probably be 5-11 and next year. Like, they're just – they're not going to be very good. Um, they should have. They need to move on from Trent Williams. 
get what you can get for him, be done with the whole saga. Like, he's not coming. So, right. I have a feeling Trent Williams would rather not play football than play for the Washington Redskins at this point. So, at, the, at that point, it's pretty much just move on. Uh, speaking of moving on, uh, Giants pulled a plug on Eli Manning, said, hey, thanks for coming on out, and uh, Danny Dimes has taken over. I'm happy for Daniel Jones. He's getting mocked a lot. It's not his fault the Giants took him so early. Um, he's looked pretty good, in my opinion. Looks like Josh Allen to me. He runs around a decent amount. He seems pretty athletic. Not the most accurate guy, but I've been impressed so far. I feel like they did it the right way, where they held him to Eli way, way, way too long, years too long. But this year they gave him some very late, you know, last drive of a game kind of action in one of the games. And then on Wednesday of the week before, announced, hey, he's going to start. He gets first team reps all week and then gave him a chance to go out there and play. Um, I've been impressed. He's been better than I, better than I thought he would. Um, I'm in the North Carolina area, so um, I do know a little bit more about, you know, North Carolina college football than others. So I, I've been on the Daniel Jones train probably a little bit longer. Um, I don't think he's probably number two guy, but that's what the Giants went with him and just said, hey, that's what we're going to do. Um, I find it interesting. Eli Manning got benched before he could have a losing record for his career. Um, we can have that discussion another time. Is, is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? Um, I think it's questionable. He'll, he'll get in just because he's Manning, but uh, it's, it's a conversation for a different, different time. But he runs nice, the league. Yeah, well, um, it's nice to see Danny Dimes coming out and playing pretty well. I'm curious to see how he continues to evolve. Uh, I think there's some good things kind of trending in that direction. I mean, granted, the Giants did a bunch of dumb stuff trading. I mean, imagine how much better they'd be if they still had OBJ. Uh, you know, Danny Dimes, OBJ could be something sick, but instead they traded him for a sack of footballs. But it's neither here nor there. But I'm, I'm excited for Daniel Jones. I think it's going to go well. Yeah, I think this year is all about finding out what you have in him. Um, and they do have some decent guys around him if Barkley gets back soon. It looks like he's making great progress so far. You get Golden Tate back this week. Sterling Shepard's fine. Um, he's got an opportunity now to really kind of take over things and show what he's got. So the NFC East has some, some exciting young quarterbacks, too. We haven't talked about Dak yet, but he'll be part of our top five teams. He might be part of our top five teams later on. Spoiler um, alert. <laughs> another quarterback who's not doing well, we referenced before, Kirk Cousins, year two of that massive contract. It's a mess right now. They're going extremely run heavy on Dalvin Cook, which has worked pretty well so far, but not last game. And Adam Thielen made it known after the game that he's not happy with the quarterback play and the amount of deep targets they're making. What do you make of the Minnesota Vikings? Well, Diggs was out of practice today with a non-illness type deal. Uh, So immediately speculations running, is he getting traded? I don't know if some of this is on Kirk Cousins. Um, is it that the staff doesn't trust Cousins to make moves, and so they're just going to run the ball and hope he doesn't have to throw much? If this is, hey, we want, we've got some old-school mentality coming from Zimmer right now, we're going to be that team that runs the ball. Um, and it worked a bit for the first couple games, and then obviously when they played against a good defense, it wasn't working. I mean, they're a good team. They went to the playoffs last year. Uh, so it's not like one of those, hey, you know, Minnesota's bad, but – No, when they're rolling, they could be the number one team in the NFC. Yeah. When it's all going right. Correct. But if you stop the run right now, you stop the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and so. Cousins has always been a high-variance guy. Even when Washington, he would have, you know, some amazing plays, and then you throw a pick six or two, and you're like, man, this guy is – he's holding on to the ball too long. He's not reading the field well. He's just slow at making decisions. 
it's just kind of what you get with Kirk Cousins. They kind of, they knew that when they threw a ton of money at him, but they, you know, signing a quarterback in free agency just happens so rarely that I understand why they did it. I get that as well. I mean, it was, he's one of the better quarterbacks that's been on free agency. Um, you know what you were going to get. I, I just don't get a lot of the game planning. Um, you know, is Kirk Cousins struggling because he's only getting to throw the ball 15 times? You know, see one of those guys, hey, if we can unleash it a little bit, throw it, you know, maybe 28 to, say, 34 times, you know, 25, 30 times, it'd be a lot better. Uh, you'll get the defense to loosen up a bit, uh, which will help your running game. So, you know, you got to throw the ball to run the ball. It's not run the ball to throw the ball. So, I, I'd like to see him loosen it up a little bit. You know, yeah, maybe throw a pick or two. But, I mean, defense is pretty decent. It's a decent team. I, I just don't get quite what they're doing out there. And they've got some weapons in the passing game. I mean, between Thielen and Diggs, you've got two pretty good guys who could be number ones on most teams. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they have two number one wide receivers, and they don't use them. But last year they did, so I don't see why they can't get back to that at some point. Both yeah. those guys had 1,000 yards and were top performers at the wideout spot. Yeah, so like I said, they need to, they need to get back to throwing that. I'm not saying you got to chuck the ball 60 times, but at least do something. Um, I'm, I know they're glad to have Dalvin Cook back, but you're going to run him in the ground. Um, he does have, you know, he's been injured here or there. So, you know, Dalvin Cook pulls a hamstring or something. What are they going to do? See, it's probably over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of possibly the season being over, um, Cam Newton, Drew Brees, uh, two quarterbacks in the NFC South have both gone down. Uh, Brees will be back in a few weeks. to have that thumb injury. Uh, but let's kind of talk Cam Newton first. Uh, this has been a weird saga. Uh, again, like I said, I'm in Carolina, so I, I get more Carolina Panther football. Had a, you know, obviously off-season soldier surgery. Um, I don't know if you watch the All or Nothing Carolina Panthers. For those that haven't, it's on Amazon Prime. Go ahead, take a look at it. It kind of shows the side of Cam Newton that I think we all kind of expected a bit more of, I want to call it a diva mentality, but uh, that may not be the correct way to kind of put it. Just kind of how he's got – it's quirks. We can call it what it is. He's got some quirks to him. Um, basically, had a, and it injured his foot, hit it from the team about how bad it really was, missed a little bit of practice, then hurt himself again, then come to find out, rested a little bit, and then came back. And apparently it's, it's a possible Liz Frank injury, which could cost him the rest of the season. Uh, you know, Dave, what do we make of Cam Newton? Is this kind of it for him? Because he wasn't looking very good with the – kind of hurt foot and coming off shoulder surgery. Yeah, if you take away the running, you know, aspect of his game, he's pretty limited as a quarterback. I think this is – we won't see him again this season. That's my prediction. <clears throat> and I think his days in Carolina are probably numbered. But I think he'll still have a role as a starter in the league for a while, given his reputation. I mean, I, I think his days in Carolina are over. Uh, they can cut him next year, no cap hit, uh, no dead cap space, so they can get rid of Cam. Uh, if he can't run, Cam's not – you knew something was that one. It was like fourth and one from the goal line. You know, it's it's first yeah. and goal on the one, and they're not running Cam Newton at all. Um, so right now, the entire offense is CMC, which you know I don't think we get too much into more on the Panthers, but they're going to run him into the dirt if they're not careful because he's on pace for like four hundred touches and like twenty eight hundred all purpose yards. He's on pace to break uh, uh, CJ two K's all purpose yardage role, but I, I think Cam's done. Uh, his shoulder hasn't looked right. It has been a while, so it doesn't look right. His foot's now messed up. I don't think he comes back. And right now they're 2-0 Kyle Allen. You know, they're holding water. But I, I think this Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, I think that, that, I think that time is over. 
Yeah, I think so too. Like you mentioned, Kyle Allen's been pretty good. I watched a video today about, you know, he's been fumbling. He had three fumbles last game, maybe due to hand size, maybe not. Um, he's been a little slow reading the field, but he's been a lot better than I thought he'd be being an undrafted guy out of Houston years ago. But so far, the you know, signs have been pretty good for him. We'll probably keep him somewhat afloat. But if Cam's time is done in Carolina, I see them going through a pretty hard rebuild next couple of years. Definitely. Um, new ownership. So I'd say this, and this owner wants to win. Um, a lot of that's evident during all or nothing. So the owner wants to win. The owner's willing to do it. I think Cam's done. I think Riverboat Ron's done. I think you see a whole new regime, whole new quarterback. Um, and you're going to get basically a whole new look Carolina Panthers. Interesting to follow. And then, then Drew Brees, um, I've been very anti-Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't think he's any good, and he's probably wrong for two weeks in a row now with two wins. What do you think about the Saints with Brees, and can Teddy keep him afloat for when Brees gets back? Definitely. Um, I'm, you're anti-Teddy. I'm probably pro-Teddy. Um, I've, I've housed him on a few teams for a while. Then naturally decided I was going to move on this year. Then naturally he comes right back and you know, Breeze gets hurt and it's Teddy time. Uh, I think Teddy's – he had that devastating knee injury, so I think we all forget how good he, he was before that. Uh, so I'm, I'm really happy for him. I think he's a great guy. Good to see him do, do well. Uh, really, if Teddy can kind of – if Breeze is out, say, eight weeks, if Teddy can keep him at four and four going through there, he's done his job. Drew Breeze comes back. They still have all those nasty weapons. You know, between Thomas, Kamara, like, it's just dirty out there. Uh, so, I'm happy to see Teddy doing well. I think the Saints continue to keep on keep on trucking on uh, straight into winning the NFC South and, you know, division around, at least a division around the playoffs. Yeah, I think we get into our top five teams there as good as anybody, in my opinion. I, I, it's hard to say no at this point until till they prove you're wrong. Yeah, last topic we wanted to hit on here was, you know, the rise of analytical decisions on fourth down and two-point plays. So this keeps coming up more and more. We're hearing broadcasters on football games become more and more on board with it themselves, which is interesting. Uh, that really impacts the, you know, average fan at home listening. But we've seen Doug Peterson, I think, twice now go for two, went up by seven instead of attempting the extra point to go up by eight. In my opinion, that makes a ton of sense because – you know, you're making it a two-score game. If you trust your offense with a better than a 50% chance to get it, like, you know, why not go for it yourself and kind of make the other team react to it? And then Harbaugh made some interesting comments about you know, he's been going for two a lot, went down, you know, down 14, scored a touchdown to go down by eight. He's been going for two there because he thinks he can get one of the two two-point conversions and maybe get both. Um, I'll, I'll tweet out the link about – his tweet about this, but I think it's really been cool to see. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of this movement where going for two seems to be not as far in as it used to be? Well, I think with back in the PAT up, so when you got a kick, they're not straight automatic anymore. It's not a, you know, at that point it would have been uh, basically a 19-yard field goal in the old days. Right. Was a, for an NFL kicker, it's a chip shot. They weren't missing them. Now, okay, you get a little bit more pressure, uh, but it's great to see, okay, hey, let's, let's do a little something. Um, I'm all for it. I'd rather see more aggressiveness versus uh, Matt's fourth and fourth and one on, on the 50. I'm going to punt it, you know, net 20 yards out of it because we're terrible. Uh, I'm definitely good with the going for two while up seven because uh, I said if you get it, you're up nine. Worst case is you're still up seven. So you're kind of banking on is the other team from a 50-50 chance going to make it the other way because if you go up eight, you figure odds are – most teams have at least one, maybe two, two-point conversion plays that are pretty good, should make it. Um, 
Apparently, Mac Brown at UNC does not. That's a different podcast. Uh, so I'm for it. I like to see teams going, being more aggressive, playing the score game, and being it having to be more mainstream. Get a lot of these old timer and the old thoughts of, well, got to take my three, or I'm going to score and kick it. We'll play overtime. Uh, less less ties and more going for wins and getting it done. It's making for like a better product too on TV. I mean, these are exciting moments when. I think we had Jacksonville go for two at the end of regulation. We've had Denver go for two at the end of regulation. So, you know, one play when the game comes down to just that, it makes it almost as if it's like, you know, one shot in the NBA or something. It's more, you know, a momentary, I guess just like a huge moment in the game where you know this is it, win or lose. We don't have to like wait around for another whole drive to happen. Exactly. Um, Short in the OT rules, I think may have a little bit played, especially for the later in the ones. Uh, go for two in the win, especially if you've been kind of grinding out, slugging it out. You know, trust your offense. Hey, we need to get three yards, and we get three yards, we win a game. If we don't, we don't. Uh, so I'm all for it. Like I said, it is more exciting. It reminds me two to tie, three to win. Uh, but I can see Gus Johnson just freaking out the entire time. Love it. Uh, so for me, it's, it's exciting. Like I said, anything that makes the product better and a little bit different thinking instead of we all think in the same box. Uh, but like we did for the AFC, we're going to talk top five teams in the NFC. I'll be honest with you, this set for us was a lot harder. Uh, when you really look at the records of the AFC versus NFC, the NFC is substantially better. A lot of better teams top to bottom, a lot better from divisionally top to bottom. So we kind of really kind of struggled on – I don't say struggle, but we had a lot of – you could almost rearrange these top eight teams in almost any order, and I'd probably somewhat agree with you. Uh, so kick it off for us, Dave. Who do we got right now number one in the NFC? So we put Green Bay number one. Like you said, it really could have been any of these teams, but trusting Aaron Rodgers, um, decent signs so far from his new offense there. Still some concerns of the volume, the passing yardage isn't quite where it used to be, but like what, they, like what I've seen so far with them, defense actually looks pretty good. They had, I think they're the team with the least amount of questions in the NFC, and that's kind of why we put them first. I agree 100% on that one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 35, so you may not see quite as much as you used to. New offense, you know, new head coach. I think it's going well. Uh, still a lot of good good weapons there. You know, Adams is still nasty. Jimmy Graham's kind of having a bit of a resurgence. Um, if you use two hands, they'd be 4-0. Uh, but he likes to do one-handed stuff, so that didn't work out for him. Uh, number two, we talked about him earlier. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is holding the Saints up. Uh, it's kind of probably be a bit more of a controversial pick because, you know, oh, Drew Reese is out. Uh, but if you kind of look where they're at, 3-1 and one with TB, the offense is looking really fantastic. Uh, they're playing a weaker division. As you figure, they're going to probably won't run away with the, the NFC South. Unless Kyle Allen runs some miracles. But you figure Falcons are not very good. Buccaneers are pretty bad. So it's really kind of the Saints to, to really just run away with it and pick up a couple easy ones there. Yep, I agree. Uh, third, we have the Eagles. We're big believers in Carson Wentz in that offense. Um, Aguilar dropped the game-winning touchdown in game two. There were seven recorded drops in the third game of the year with backup receivers all over the board. Matt Collins making, you know, way too involved in the offense. Our Sega Whiteside not doing a whole lot himself. Um, but still believe overall in the Eagles. Think their potential is really high. Defense is, you know, has some major concerns. Expect the pass rush to get better and hope, you know, from their perspective, the coverage gets better. But I think their offense can hang with almost anybody. Agree 100%. Offense is there. Um, you know, they lost. They, they should have beat the Falcons, but did have some big injuries there because I think Jackson and Alshon went down in that game. So you right. went from so you're getting guys that didn't get any, a lot of reps. 
you know, Nelson's had some big drops. So it looks like he's got the drops. He's back. A um, couple of bad calls in the Lions game because that catch fumble was not a catch fumble. Um, so they're really kind of struggling there. Now you could argue they did interfere with the uh, pass at the end of the Packers game, but that's beyond here or there. There's a defense is a big question mark for them. Um, so rolling in number four, we've got the Bears. Defense is not a question mark for the Bears. Offense is. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is bad. Uh, that was a bad trade they made to move up and get him. I'm, I'm not a Trubisky fan. I, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe in him. Uh, I think it was evident when Chase Daniels came in and played just as good, if not a little bit better for him. So, for me, the Bears are forward just because their defense and that defensive line and Khalil Mack and all that, they're, they're hard to beat from a defensive standpoint. If you just put up enough points, though, you know their offense is not going to keep up. Do you think that Matt Nagy can scheme it up enough that in a playoff, you know, a playoff run, they can win four games, three in the NFC, win the Super Bowl with that kind of an offense that's scheme dependent, that's Tariq Cohen dependent? Um, it's almost gimmicky in a way to hide Drabisky. I don't think he's got enough. He might get one or two. That team's not going to be the Chiefs. That team's not going to be the Patriots, regardless if you give Matt Nagy two weeks to figure it out. Uh, they're just not that good. Trubisky's not – you can't you can't say, okay, hey, we're down seven. We got to have a drive here and have Trubisky be able to pull that out. Um, Allen Robinson looks really good. Uh, you know, I'm big on Ridley. I mean, there's a lot of good pieces over there, but I, I just don't think Mitchell is your guy to get it done. This isn't uh, Nick Foles coming in for a playoff run. This is Mitchell Trubisky, who really wasn't that good in college, got overdrafted, and now they're suffering the price for it. Yeah, he really hasn't stepped forward at all. And like we mentioned before, the NFC, this is crowded. We could have had the Bears, you know, first or eighth. But I think when you compare them to the AFC, the NFC is much deeper, but the Chiefs and Patriots are better than any of these NFC teams. I don't think they can compete with those teams. No. Yeah, like I said, there, there's a definitive – if you were kind of merge them together, there are some definitive tiers – uh, you know, top tier across the NFL is probably Chiefs and and, and Patriots. Your second tier is going to have Packers, Saints, Eagles, Seahawks. You're going to have a lot of the NFC teams right there. Yep, great. Your third tier is going to be kind of probably the bottom half of this list. And then you're going to start trickle your AFC teams back in. Um, and then you kind of go on down from there. Yep, last team in our top five, Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson still playing really good football. Um, like what Chris Carson has done in the running game when he's not fumbling and still trust that defense, even though they got lit up by uh, the Saints and some other teams, even with Teddy. So they definitely have their own flaws. Um, I trust Russell, William, Russell Wilson down the stretch in a playoff game more than most. So for me, they come in at five. Yeah, I mean, Russell's still really good. Uh, he's got Lockett lighting it up. So they're, you know, they're missing Doug Baldwin. Uh, Metcalf hasn't quite shown up yet. Like I said, coming off that little knee injury. So, I think as he kind of gets going, to give him another deep threat, stretch it out a little bit. Carson's ran the ball really well. Um, that final drive they had was straight old, you know, Pete Carroll Seahawks football, uh, just mashing it down people's throats. Uh, it was nice to see C.J. Procise go get that score. So, I think they've got a bit more behind behind Carson with Penny and Procise. Uh, I'm big on Procise, still, still believer there. But if you kind of look at who could be anywhere from, you know, two to, to eight, you know, it's it's hard to say, hey, how, how do you have the two and two Eagles above the three and one Cowboys? Yeah, I think 
the last game against the Saints was a bit of a wake-up call for the Cowboys, but I still love them. I still think they could be number one. I think Warren Sharp pointed out a really interesting thing that they were really big on play action the first three weeks and went away from play action, like a huge drop last week. I think that's really important for Dak because we've seen a you know big step forward with Dak under um, Kellen Moore as the OC. So I think they're you know a potential to be as good as anybody. I just want to see it against some good teams. Yeah, uh, you kind of look at the Cowboys' three wins: Dolphins, Skins, and Giants. Neither one of those teams, none of those teams, are making the playoffs. None of those teams probably win five games. Uh, and the like, you, Giants you, game was Eli too. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was an Eli Giants too. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Um, so the Giants could get better now with Danny Dimes, but this was Eli, who was a, a corpse, a, a bad skins team, and the Dolphins, who may not win a game all year. So I would hope you look good against them. So Kellen Moore's really good as an OC. Uh, I think he could take over for Garrett at some point. They obviously got Zeke, Cooper, Dak. I mean, Jason Witten's 90 years old, still out there with a walker, still running some good routes. They're getting Gallup. Gallup. Yeah. yeah, getting Gallup off that knee injury. I'm a big fan there. Um, so, I mean, the offense is really good. Defense is okay. Talk to me in four weeks once they kind of get through. They've got a, a tough rest of the schedule. Uh, you and I were going through that kind of before this. So, we're going to really find out more about your Dallas Cowboys as they kind of go forward. So you figure they're going to have – you know, they get a cakewalk. Well, they're going to pick up Packers. It's going to be a good game. Then they get a, kind of an easy one with the Jets. Get a tough game against Philadelphia, a reasonably decent one against Giants, but they got Vikings, Lions, Patriots, Bills, Rams, and Bears and Eagles again. So those are all going to be 500 teams. Most of those could be possible playoff teams. So we'll find out how good the Cowboys really are coming up. Yeah, otherwise we have the Lions and Niners uh, rounding up the top eight here. Lions, for me, I'm going to plant my flag and say that they're not any good. I think that this is kind of all a mirage. And I know they beat the Eagles. They played well against the Chiefs last week and almost beat them. I think we'll look back on this as being the most successful part of the Matt Patricia era for the Lions. I'm just not a believer in him, not a believer in what they're doing offensively with Stafford the last couple of years, and think this is really an overrated team. It's hard. I don't know what to make of them yet. They, they tied the Cardinals. This week one, weird right. things happen. They, they, you know, at home against the Chargers, they win 13 to 10. Three-point win, eh, nah, okay. But, I mean, are the Chargers that good? I mean, they're, they're top eight on the, you know, top eight, top nine on the other side. Three-point win, you know, you covered, you know, you're, you're pushing against the spread there because three-point. They, they beat the Eagles by three. We're playing Matt Collins all over the place and just straight-up scrubs. And there were some questionable calls in that game. Now, they took it to the Chiefs, still lost by four. Uh, you could all, all easily argue, say, the Lions could be very close to one and three or, uh, you know, two, you know, right now they're, what, two, one, and one. Mm-hmm. So, they, yeah, like you said, they're a bit of a mirage. So, they're about to hit a tough stretch of the division. They go Packers, Vikings. Probably, they'll probably win against the Giants. Then they hit Raiders, Bears, Cowboys. So, in the next about six games will really kind of tell you what you got from Detroit. I think they're better. I just don't quite know where they fit. I don't think they make the playoffs. Uh, they're probably third best in their division. Yeah, I don't think so either. And they're definitely included. They, they deserve to be included. They played really well so far. I just – I see it unlikely to continue. Um, otherwise, the Niners, they haven't played much of anybody either, but they are 3-0. Um, I love Kyle Shanahan there. I love what he does with his offense, rotates the running backs, the calls as good of a, 
you know, offensive game as anybody. I'm interested to see how Jimmy G does against, you know, some real opponents this year. Do you think the Niners can actually compete for the NFC West? Um, I think they can. I mean, it, that's probably, if I had to guess, toughest division in football. Yeah, I'd say so. Niners, Rams, Seahawks. We haven't even talked Rams yet. So, you know, really got nine teams right here. So. That's true. Rams should be in there. Yeah, yeah, Rams are definitely definitely right here in, in this discussion. So we hadn't quite got to them yet, just going based on order. You know, Jimmy G looked real rusty to start with. I think it's totally to be expected. Didn't play a ton in the preseason. Had to really kind of figure it out. Um, I like what Kyle Shanahan's doing down there. I think they've got some more offense they haven't tapped. Uh, they can compete. It's just a matter of, you know, you got to win the games you were supposed to win and squeeze out. You know, if you can split Seahawks, split Rams, you, you got yourself a shot. But speaking of the Rams, I don't quite know what to make of them. Uh, they're, they're another one of those, hey, they're three and one, but are they a good three and one? Are they an okay three and one? Are they just three and one that beat up on some teams? You know, you look at who they beat. They beat Panthers by three, beat the Saints pretty good, but that's the game. Breeze got hurt, so those are always a little funky break the Browns by seven and then lose to the Buccaneers by 15, giving up 55 points. Yeah. I mean, they haven't looked amazing so far. I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt for making the Super Bowl last year. Golf, as he did get kind of exposed in that Super Bowl, I still think he's fairly good and I trust him with McVay. Without McVay, I'm not sure what he would be. Um, Gurley's, you know, definitely fading. Still showing some signs of life, but he's not the same. He's not going to be the same workload as he was a year you know, a year or two ago. Um, but definitely they're still contenders. Like you mentioned, that division is crazy. I mean, the worst team in there is the Cardinals, and they're at least pretty dangerous on offense with Kyler Murray. If you compare them as the worst team in the division to almost any other division, they're a pretty good, you know, fourth team. Exactly. Like I said, with the, with the Rams there, it's just trying to figure out exactly what they've got. Um, Goff looks like he has taken a step back, which is quite disappointing. Um, but you look, they've got plenty on offense with Cup, Cooks, Woods. You know, I think Todd Gurley is still quite good. I think they're really trying to manage his workload, um, not run him if they don't need him much here in the early part of the season so they could use him uh, later in, in the season to really not, not wear out before the playoffs. Um, I think that's what really hurt them last year is he got hurt right there towards the end of the season. That trickled in the playoffs. You know, then that's when you heard all about the arthritis and this knee problem and everything else. So I think really what they're doing is kind of holding them back just so they don't eat them up in the first couple of weeks when, frankly, I mean, they're winning games they should win. I mean, they should beat the Panthers. They should beat the Saints. They should beat the Browns. They really should have beat the Buccaneers, too. They should be 4 0. Yeah, and I think that goes back to our point, you know, to kick this off that these eight or nine teams could be really put in any order. So I'm excited to see how the next four weeks pan out. We'll plan to do kind of a mid-season check-in as well. Um, coming up next week, last year we did uh, re-ranking the court rookie quarterbacks from the past year's class. And we got good feedback on that. So this year we want to continue that. We want to look at the quarterbacks from the 2019 class, the ones we've seen so far, and analyze you know their performances so far, how we draft them moving forward, and also throw in some names from the 2018 class. So look at Lamar Jackson. You can find us on Twitter at EvoSportsPod. We'll be sharing those um, clips we referenced earlier in this episode. Please subscribe to stay tuned for all the latest episodes and really, really appreciate anyone who reviews and shares the podcast on their social feeds. As we're getting started, it really helps. I appreciate those that are spreading the word. Thanks.